Hello and welcome to the Local Myth Storian podcast with me, Eli Lewis Lysett, where we explore the extraordinary local histories of Cheshire, Derbyshire and Staffordshire. Now this episode takes us over into the Cheshire countryside, around the village of Alderley Edge, and a world of wizards and Arthurian legends that when taken together with a deeper view of the area's history, suggest a story inherent in the landscape that is far from mere fantasy. The village of Alderley Edge today is probably best known as a commuter hub for Manchester, sitting as it does just outside of the South Manchester suburb belt, and together with its neighbouring villages of Mottram St Andrew and Presbury, it makes up an area known as Cheshire's Golden Triangle, home to numerous millionaire footballers, tech entrepreneurs and old money from the Cheshire countryside. But the real draw of Alderley Edge, for most people, lies in the ancient history and the beauty of its surrounding countryside. And it's driving around that countryside, outside the village, where a visitor will first pick up on the peculiar association that Alderley Edge has with the figure of the wizard. On Wilmslow Road, there's a huge pub called the Merlin, and on Macclesfield Road, the Wizard Tea Rooms, and both are direct references to the area's most indelible and enduring legend, and one that I believe is intrinsically bound to the prehistory of the Edge itself. Now, the legend of the Edge itself has been largely popularised from the 20th century up until today, By the author Alan Garner, he still lives in the area and much of his work is influenced by the local folklore and history of which the legend of Alderley Edge is an integral central part. The legend tells of how one day, many years ago, a farmer from the nearby village of Mobberley was transporting a white mare to sell at Macclesfield Market, a town that just sits on the other side of Alderley Edge. On his way to market, however, Making his way across the edge, at a spot known as Thieves' Hole, the farmer's stopped by an old haggard man in flowing clothing. The old man offers to buy the mare right there and then from the farmer, but the farmer refuses to sell, saying that he's sure to get a better price at the market. The old man, though, seems confident that the farmer won't be able to sell at the market at all, and states that he'll be waiting for the farmer that night in the same spot after the market closes, should he change his mind. As the old man had suggested, the farmer goes to market only to find he can't source a buyer. And meeting again that night on his way home, the farmer and the old man begin to discuss a price. Before the old man, assuring him that it'll be worth his while, leads the farmer away, together with his mare, to an area of the edge, where courtesy of the old man's staff, he splits open a cleft in the rock to reveal a pair of iron gates. As the gates open, the old man leads them all forward again, into the rock, and to reveal a group of knights in armour sleeping there. Each knight has his own white mare, bar one. The knights would awake, the old man says, when England falls into grave danger and ride out to rescue the nation. The farmer, perhaps as you would, then duly sells his mare to the old man and receives a chest of gold in payment. Now the legend itself is a classic motif of Arthurian lore, the story of the sleeping hero, and it's found throughout Britain in various forms, being a really popular trope of medieval Arthurian literature. Now for those listeners out there who are familiar with the legend, 
Granted, you might notice that my retelling of it is a little bit sparse, but that's deliberately so, as whilst many historians and folklorists across the years have dissected the legend's finer details in relation to Arthurian tradition, for me this does little to address the connection between the figure of the wizard, the old man with his magic staff, and the landscape of Alderley Edge itself. And rather, I believe that that legend is merely the ghost of a folk memory, to a time when the figure of the wizard was a very real concern for the people of Alderley Edge. The countryside around Alderley Edge includes some truly ancient totems of local identity. There's a Bronze Age burial mound that now doubles as the seat for the Armada beacon that was placed there on the edge during the reign of Queen Elizabeth I as part of that Armada early warning system that apparently would see the whole of England aware of the incoming Spanish ships as soon as they were spotted off the south coast in just 15 minutes. There's various other Bronze Age monuments around there on the edge, dotted about, often unrecorded. But the real focus for us is in the fact that Alderley Edge is home to one of the largest prehistorical copper mine complexes in Europe. There's more than three kilometres of tunnelling from the pre-Roman period. So this is a vast industrial mining complex that you can still visit today that has dominated the ancient history of Alderley Edge. And in prehistory, society across Britain wasn't bound by all that much. There was no real sense of a nation, rather separate tribal kingdoms. But one thing that did bring them together was the reverence and respect they had for a ruling class of priests. And not only did this ruling class of priests take care of their religious aspect of their lives, but they also doubled as judges, lawmakers, but perhaps most importantly, as Pilney the Elder, the Roman writer said, they also acted as natural scientists. And it's they that would control and organise the maintenance, the output and the trade of a copper mining complex that would have done business not only just in Britain, but far across the wider world. I am of course talking about that class of priest known to the Romans, but with a lineage that goes back far before it, as the Druids. And it's the Druids who would have dominated local culture when it came to the copper mines. An industrial complex that promoted the act of reaping the copper from the seams beneath the earth and turning it into glittering objects. I mean, just how do you explain that process of extraction, juxtaposition and complete transformation from the stone of the earth to weapons, decoration and these wondrous objects? Surely alchemy and magic for most people would be the answer. And so for me, and in my research, there's a real case to be made for Alderley Edge's association with the figure of the wizard to be some kind of mainline back to the magic worked by the priestly figures that controlled local industry for hundreds if not thousands of years before the Roman invasion. But that's not all. When it comes to the idea of glittering objects coming out of the earth, Alderley Edge is also home to one of the most unique and bewildering archaeological discoveries ever made in British history. It started in the early 90s, when a metal detectorist found a gold axe head ingot on Artist's Lane, 
About three inches long, this miniature axe head, made of solid gold, was engraved with markings and insignia of the light that no one had ever seen before. And as this hit the local press, a mini-media frenzy occurred. And soon, five more gold bars, shaped like axe heads, were found in the countryside around Alderley Edge, each again complete with the historically alien markings. Just how perplexing this was, and still remains, to the authoritative communities on such matters, can perhaps be understood a little better when we have a look at this extract from the Stockport Metro, published following the first axe head's discovery. A small axe-shaped ingot found near Alderley Edge by a man using a metal detector remained a complete mystery at an inquest today, when a jury ruled it was not treasure trove. Efforts are to continue by museums to try and identify the axe, which was said to be made mostly of gold with a silver and copper content, and Mr Hibbert was told the axe had been decorated with punch marks of a type not previously seen on prehistoric gold objects, yet nor was there anything to suggest it was medieval. Archaeology at Manchester Museum said the object had been closely examined, but could not be identified as belonging to any particular culture. And in fact, reports were made regarding these gold axe heads, both by John Cheery of the British Museum and Adrian Tyndall, the Principal Conservation Officer for Cheshire County Council, and neither of them could identify the origin either. Now these strange markings are reminiscent a little of chevrons and clovers, and you can see pictures of them on my website. And it's when we place this together with the legend of Alderley Edge, and the historical provenance of the mines on the edge, and the magical figures associated with them, that a really vivid picture begins to emerge. So here we have a landscape dominated by the industry of copper mining, the heyday of which was undoubtedly overseen by the Druidic Order, or the Proto-Druidic Order, that presided over so many aspects of life in Britain before the Roman invasion. And it's a period that's left a clear legacy within the earth, not only of the copper ore and its alchemistic connotations, but quite possibly of gold too. The size of the ingots discovered across Alderley are suggestive of a ritualistic use, just as much as they are a convenient means of storing wealth. Alderley Edge is today known as that key part of Cheshire's wealthy golden triangle, but it may well be the case that the legend of the farmer's mare suggests this is nothing new at all, and that Alderley Edge has been part of a golden triangle for a lot longer than any of us could imagine. Sometimes our folklore calls us back to remember events that are far more than just myth. And sometimes that folklore really does appear to be the custodian of a long forgotten history. You can read the full research piece into the Wizards of Alderley Edge in my book, Mythstoric Origins, which is available both via Amazon and also via the store page on my website, thelocalmythstorian.com. If you enjoy the podcast and what I'm trying to do, then please sign up on the website where you'll get access to a whole range of features to do with the local history and folklore of Cheshire, Derbyshire and Staffordshire. You can find me on Twitter too at TLMythStorian. It's been a real pleasure. Until next time.